welcome back to a Mark's Madness collaboration. Oh, welcome back. back. Oh, welcome back. We're doing it again. You guys, you guys got the, the Chunkaluta and the Mark's Madness boo-boops, but one one stopped. So I just noticed that Nathan does this like uh, THX like draw out like the... <laughs> there is much nuance to the boo doo boo boops and they're ever-changing. Nobody and if realizes can, how hard it is if you, until you try to if, do it. If they're often imitated, never replicated. They are they are a unique signature pattern, and they're the only way, if you unlock them all, you'll find the Declaration of Independence. It's on the back of them. That's, that's, Gotta catch them all again. It's on the back of them when you speak it. It's just like... <laughs> that's how it works. I don't know how it works. I, I, don't, I don't have the answers. All I know is what I was told. Uh... <laughs> the uh <laughs> welcome back to Mark's was it like Madness. an old man in a cave uh, <laughs> you know it was it was an old woman i cut her on the side of the road did she said the word hex at me that's all i know um and, and then it imparted this in part of this info um it's like better than a pocket constitution you just have to say that sound and then it comes flooding <laughs> the to people's minds <laughs> shebang we the people no that's the constitution again damn it <laughs> Uh, <laughs> one of them old ass documents. Yeah, one of them old ass raggedy documents that we don't need anymore. Uh, moving on. Welcome back to Mark's Madness Pod. Write we that read shit on books. Word. My name is Nathan. My name's David. I'm Shungmani too. And we will be taking you through our reading, annotated reading of the Red Deal uh, by the Red Nation. Uh, we will be continuing that on page 62 if you want to get your reading books ready, but not just yet, because as we are wont to do before each episode, we are going to touch on some current events. Uh, the first of which involves some unsettling news coming out of Peru. And for that, I kick it to oh, David. Okay, we're going to start there. Yeah, we're going to start I was with gonna Peru. Say, because... I, I was going to start with the. Okay, we'll, okay, well, we'll do the other one. Let's start one. with okay. the other one. No, 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 no. There's we'll been some Peru. unsettling Peru. news out of the Kansas Nebraska border. For more, I cut to David. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it's funny because you're cutting to me. We've got Shigmani, too, who's a water protector right here. Um, uh, I thought that was kind well, of funny. Well, here's the problem. Yeah. When I want to cut to somebody, you're next in line. So if you want to pass the ball, you can pass it. You got to, yeah. But you, you, you get passed, and then it's a you know, backward lateral. It, exactly. <laughs> Behind the line of scrimmage, it's all, it's, this is all good. All right, well, flea flicker to the water protector. (laughs) All right, Keystone XL. Um, Mm -hmm. We told you. uh, (laughs) It's Bill. Wow. That sucks. Largest spill in American history, too. So One of the largest. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're you're approaching BP-level oil spill in the middle of the continent. And... And I want to be clear too. Like I hate when people do the the oh you know this, why isn't anybody talking about this? And certainly there is some coverage of this. The scale of the coverage compared to the largest oil spill in the history of the United States is just it's ridiculously small. Uh, well, and not to mention who's saying hey, remember what we told you in twenty sixteen? Yeah, that happened. Yeah. I mean, for wow. someone like... And not only that, but the... Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the major part of this is is they rerouted out of white areas through indigenous oh. nations. And As there's always. what, like... I I know of there about, like, four in northeast Kansas, but I think 
I saw an article that said something about 11. There's a lot of, there's like multiple nations that this is affecting the water for. Well, and then you also have people that were able to successfully stop or reroute the pipe away from their communities. So there were some wins and successes for water protectors that are kind of being, you know, like, hey, thank goodness we protect them, but it's a sour victory. Yeah, you know, because this we knew this was going to happen, and it's you know it's a situation much like the dams where a watershed is a fucking watershed, and as soon as you start fucking it up, it's going to cause a, a domino effect going down. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I I just white people kind of like blow my mind. Like uh, California's investing in um, a minnow repopulation for um, oh I forget the nation now, but um. You know, I asked one of my friends, it's like, what, what, what is your opinion on this? And it's like, well, I find it weird they're not talking about how you're going to have to address the entire watershed, you know? And I was like, that is interesting. Like, you would think yeah. more people would talk about that. But I, I don't think people realize just how uh, important the area around the river is, as well as the river itself. You know, like, that's interconnected. The essence mm-hmm. of both is to be together and we separate them. That is going to cause issues. You know, like it, this Marx is, 101. Yeah, this is this is difference between the thinking that brought about the, the Red Deal versus the thing that brought about uh, the Green New Deal. I know they're not, you know, but it they're they're related in thought. Well, process, right. So, like, know? I mean, let's take, for example, the banning of cows. Sure. Whatever. I, I'm for banning industrial produced beef. Whatever. Yeah, but but the thing is, is that pasture raised meat in general has a good effect on the earth in the way it uh, per, uh, perpetrates, perpetuates, I should say, um, prairies and stuff like that, which become huge carbon sinks that are actually better than jungles at sinking mm-hmm. carbon, which people don't realize because there's not a lot of trees, and we're dumb and think that more trees means better carbon sink. Um, and that's just because we were taught wrong, you know, you know, people don't like, I, like, uh, I had a Polish dude try to argue that climate change isn't real because most of our, um, oxygen comes from the ocean. And I was, <laughs> Whoa, Whoa, <laughs> that's a lie. Wow. Uh, okay. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the issue is the rising acidity is killing the plants in the ocean. <laughs> You don't need to bulldoze the ocean. We only need to pour a bunch of garbage in it till it dies. And yeah. Well, on top of that, you know, climate change itself is is literally boiling the ocean, and there's oh. carbon capture there. You know, oh, yeah, there's that's... green algae and shit that that goes away with that. And you know, also you wipe out millions of animals at once, and that's just mm-hmm. you know really a great way to reduce carbon. Yeah, and it's it, it's already. <laughs> I, I, You're not going to chuckle at that. You're just going to move on. Nope. No, we're going to let you hang on that one, Dom. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, I mean, as humans, our, our greatest concern is is other humans because you, you look out for your own species first. But this idea of, like, human-only concern that has is, is come about um, over the, the last whole reason few centuries. fucked everything yeah. up. Yeah, and, and it's just like anything else, right? It's like white supremacy. Like, if you're white and you do gain some kind of privilege, there there's a reason, like, Nazi Germany worked. There were Nazis that benefited from that shit, right? But 
what you're sacrificing for that is going to come back and, and bite you in the ass. And the same thing, if you focus on human only, eventually you're not going to be benefiting humans anymore because you're killing everything humans depend on. You can't be human only, even in concern just for humans. And then there's, you know, the issue that you're part of this planet. Why do you want to destroy the rest of it? Why do you not care about destroying the rest of it on top of that? Yeah, like you, you got to like deal with whatever the fuck's going on in your head. And at that point, that's like mm-hmm. a you issue. And, People like you have some issues, you know, like, I don't know how else to better explain it. It's just like, it seemed like the Pat Socius say the, like, like Samir Khan saying the bulldoze the rainforest shit. I was just like, what? I did not see that. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, just fast as shit. I mean, simping for Bolsonaro is already bad enough. Yeah. To just straight up say bulldoze the Amazon, like. You're just, wow, what no. are they paying you to be that stupid? Yeah. You know, like I would never in a million years, even if I believed that, post that online. Well, you I know? mean, but that's that's what we've said for, for a long time. This is something that's that's true, and it's why that, like, you know, the the anti-Semitic trying to take communist <sighs> observations and code it towards towards Jewish people shit was such a big deal. And that's that sinks deep and stays in, and it's not just targeted at Jewish people for years. It's seizing fascist – or seizing um, – left-wing language and ideas to fascist ends, very obviously fascist ends. And whether they mean to do it, uh, they do it out of ideology um, or they're, you know, some kind of, of op- operation. I don't care. I don't care if they're, they're organic or if they're an op, if they know they're fascist or if they're stupid and actually think they're left-wing. Their job, their existence is to take people who are driving towards left-wing thought and grab them and seize them and, and, cast that big net and catch them and yeah. fling them all the way to fascism. That is literally the last ditch Hail Mary, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Is fucking, that, yeah, that, yeah, that is fascism's Hail Mary, is that exact kind of fascist. The the, the modern Strasserite the, and the, the, the Potsies are exactly that. Yep. And these kinds of people, you know, you, you mentioned what bringing back, like, industrialization for the U.S. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I get that we've offloaded a lot of our manufacturing to the third world, but you're not mm-hmm. going to put a bunch of people in factories now. We're like, you're yeah. like, we need well, on top of that. It's not like there's no factory jobs. It's just greatly reduced because it's been exported largely to, you know, say China. And that's another thing too, is, is like how much of that is okay. Trying to fix the economy and stop doing this, just import service thing. And how much of that is like, again, something that's purpose is trying to, to, to win this economic war with China, you know, and that well, that's my, one of those things where it doesn't matter if they're an op, they serve that, that purpose. Well, my entire thing is that oil is kind of like the U S's big thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're demanding more inf- like more uh, industrialization right now, they're <laughs> going to be focused on fucking over the railroad unions. And yeah. like, this is like, I mean, the pushing out of capital by labor is like normal part of uh, communist development. Like mm-hmm. this is stuff Marx wrote about. And I don't know why they act like they've read Marx, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't, it's very confusing to me, but yeah, yeah, I mean, ultimately like, you know, a lot of our stuff is like reactionary old world shit that doesn't have yeah. a place in the future. Like, we need to be looking at replacing coal jobs with, like, 
real jobs and getting people real education and reinvesting in those communities instead of mm-hmm. let's send them back into the coal mine. What the fuck back is wrong to the with mine. you? They yearn for the Minecraft is the best selling game in the world. They the children yearn for the mines. Yearn for the mines. Yearn for them. No, what's fucked up is I know a, a dude like I used to, I was a CNA, so like certified nursing assistant, and uh, and it, it, we we lived uh, in a huge mining area, and uh, the way they would do it right is they'd have these big old spikes that people would drive in by hitting. Uh, you know, on top with a sledgehammer. And if you ever needed, you know, a break, you'd put your thumb on top as a signal. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh, no. <sighs> I hope your friend saw that, you know, like, oh, so, I mean, like, I've met people who've lost their fucking thumbs to the mines. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think people realize how recently children were in the mines. I yeah. took care of them on their dying bed, you know, like that's fucked. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, in other current event news, um, the, there are some goings on in a little, a little further South in Peru. Um, yeah, <laughs> a little, just a little further, south. a little further. It depends on where you are. It could be North to you. I could be, I could be, I geographically, you don't know. I don't know where you're at. Um, David, Peru, what's going on? Yes. Um, so basically, you know, obviously we had talked about when Pedro Castillo first got elected and you're not going to elect socialism. That's that we are materialists. Uh, that said in the global South, I understand that effort in order to try to prevent an all out ground war and insurgency and collapse like Iraq style, but it's a very insecure thing and, and subject to coups. That is kind of the U.S.'s style. And subject uh, to co-option, right? Like, yeah, yeah. subject to co-option. Lula has like already helped invade Haiti once. So, like... Yeah. I don't... Yeah. I'm Like, you know, the whole Venezuela shit, my theory is that Lula well, helped broker that deal. Yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, and the, also, you know, uh, AMLO is, you know, for all the other good that that uh, uh, Lopez Oprador has, has done with some of the other you know, Central and South American countries and resistance to the U.S., um, you know, had sent troops over to, to Haiti and was cooperative in the U.S. and, and you know, um, basically rounding up Haitian immigrants and stuff like that. So the and and continued NAFTA. So, you know, I mean, there's definitely some co-option there. Um, and so Pedro Castillo got elected and we were very excited for that. I mean, that's the country of the Lima group. It's, it's a scary situation. That didn't mean that the entire Congress got flipped, right? It, it was a presidency. This was going to be at best case, much like Allende, uh, again, hopefully, you know, not ending up in a coup. Um, but it didn't work out like that. So they've been trying to coup him, trying different attempts to the point where, well, they already soft cooed him, right? Like they prevented him from doing any of his platform. Yeah, they prevented him from doing any of it, and basically like pushed all of his cabinet members to resign. And then they kept having to like be replaced by cabinet members who are a little more, you know, neoliberal. And at the same time, you know, whether that was of his own volition because he's a reformist or he's just, you know, not as left wing as we think, or whether it was, you know. Uh, just can't upturn the whole system by itself, whatever it was, you know, early in the, the presidency, there also was not only undelivered left wing promises, but suppression of factory protests, things like that. Right. Um, 
And so, you know, a lot of the backers of Pedro Castillo had lost enthusiasm, totally understandably. And a lot of the cabinet, the power around him was not good. So the General Assembly was already trying to coup him several times. I mean, was just making attempts to figure out getting him arrested. And it was very clear they were going to figure something out. And so he was trying to dissolve Congress because it's this is a Congress with 12 percent approval rating, lowest in the world. This is not a well-liked Congress, not super democratically elected. And so he was trying to dissolve that. And as undemocratic as that sounds like. I saw seven to ten support. Seven to ten support. support. Yeah, like uh, for the government. That's the thing. Oh. So like that. that's why like I don't like talking about this stuff is that when I investigate, you, you sometimes get a lot of conflicting information. So now I'm yeah. wondering, you know, was I reading like a right wing news source? You know, oh, like, yeah, maybe because I've seen very, very low approval ratings for that. But I mean, it's left wing news sources, too. Yeah, I mean, um, from what I understand is Castillo just wasn't very popular. Like, no, Castillo was not. Castillo was was like losing, you know, approve. I mean, I was thinking like, like he's considered a percent approval. Yeah. Yeah. Not not very well back. A lot of his following uh, a lot of the, the work that uh, Together for Peru um, or, you know, in the original Spanish Juntos uh, por el Peru. But so that's, you know, JP. That's that's basically the coalition that got Castillo elected, um, you know, headed up by uh, Roberto Palomino um, or Roberto Sanchez. Are we Palomino, talking voting turnout or are we talking like. No, 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 no. We're we're talking like like the satisfaction with it, but a lot okay, of okay. that I was just wondering. You know, a lot of that had had lost some teeth because that was a very popular wave in just to get over the fifty percent. That's why it was an out of nowhere victory, and then none of, none of the stuff came from it. So yeah, I mean, there was already a bad presidency at that point, whether it was from weakness, weakness of election, um, that the fact that that you know Lima is so deeply integrated by the U.S. Whatever the conditions were that caused that, it was not going well. They've been trying to coup Castillo. Castillo moved to dissolve uh, the General Assembly to prevent this, basically prevent the coup. And then they used that as their excuse for the coup and arrested him. Um, I know already um, what is the office is basically their their um, uh, attorney general. It's the the uh, oh, let me get the official name here. Um, the minister. The Ministerio Publico Fiscalia de la Nación, which is is basically their their attorney general, is like denouncing the the arrest. So there's some conflicts within the government going on right now. But currently, the General Assembly is in control, and and they are, you know, of course, I mean, this is a coup. What happens? You go out, and people protest. You suppress the protest. You go out and attack. The people, you know, the the left wing leaders and stuff, you know, I'm, I'm already hearing rumors that at least one person was killed. Of course, you know, um, more people probably would, would die in that process. I mean, we remember this from the coup in Bolivia. We've seen this in just about every coup out there. Right. So things are, are turning deadly. Things are turning bad. So a lot of scary stuff happening in Peru. And the only thing you can hope is that these uprisings basically you know against the coup government they're, they're probably more against the coup government than for castillo maybe for the ideas that that ran castillo in but against the coup government hopefully second they can hold strong just got confirmed actually hmm? what's that a second death just got confirmed yeah, yeah. so um so that's not surprising <laughs> so hopefully hopefully people can hold strong and and the deaths are not in vain but terrifying situation there at u.s imperialism doing u.s imperialism gross 
Well, on that bright and shining note, let's get into the reading for this week. Um, Ooh, we, are going to be, we are going to be starting, again, as I said, on page 62, second paragraph down at the Marshall Trilogy demonstrates how the foreign status of indigenous nations posed an existential as well as material threat to the United States, which had already proven its intentions for vast territorial, political, and economic expansion. As the original foreign nations in the way of U.S. expansion, indigenous nations thus had to be terminated by any means necessary. Legalized theft was used alongside treaties and military campaigns, which included starvation, imprisonment, massacres, and scorch-earth policies. To force termination. Its assault on indigenous nations shaped the United States' first decades of existence, not only giving birth to what we now know as the United States, but also defining its very existence. Although not thought of as such, the colonization of indigenous people by the United States was and continues to be a project of imperialist invasion. And so this actually comes uh, like uh, the description of Korea's fight against imperialism from Japan is one of a colonial nature mm-hmm. and they're overcoming the colonial question, you know, um, that, uh, is often missed by people. And so they don't see the clear application of Juche to these conditions for indigenous people. And so then they'll claim it as the, their own sort of thing, which is always funny to me because I'm like, well, if you went by your, what you say you've read, then we wouldn't be uh, having this argument, I guess, and we would both say land back. Uh, I thought, apparently not. Uh, <laughs> but like even today, we see you know attempts at termination. Well, first off, we see um, the recent ICWA discussion in the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. which uh, is setting us up for child kidnapping again. Um, you already have the foster care system, um, which uh, my brother. We talked about the Overmyers, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The yeah, okay. You know, uh, it's a foster care that basically uses indigenous children as slave labor, and then uh, convinces them to let them adopt them and shit, uh, basically to get stuff. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, access to more stuff than they have on the rest. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe I should rephrase that because, like, a uh, who was I? I was talking to somebody else that was like. Oh yeah, well let's we're, let's talk about education. It's like let's talk about electricity yeah. f- from like examples of access to things we you have that we don't. Yeah, you know, it's like that's fucked um, entirely. And like uh, a Pat Sosh once was like, "Oh yeah, not having electricity is genocide." Like kind of dismissing it. I was like, "No, no, 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 not having electricity today after flooding twenty three different." reservation communities Mm -hmm. and poisoning our entire reservations uh well water with uranium you know like that that's what makes it colonization not not having electricity like what a fucking red herring yeah you know (laughs) anyway um but uh basically termination is public law 280 um which would put um Matters that are confusing or ambiguous in the hands of uh, states over the, uh, what's it called? Supreme Court. And uh, uh, so basically, all all we're seeing with this, like, abortion stuff, this is all stuff 
AIM fought back in the 70s and was able to, like, you know, suppress for a while with liberal protest. Well, rad, radical liberal protesting, but, you know, like, they, they could have been more communist about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, let's get to it. <laughs> that's what I say. Um, but, you know, that's one of those things where it's like this, we have clear examples of how to fight this and we're ignoring them. Yeah. It's really weird. Doesn't seem ideal. In her 2007 book, New Indians, Old Wars, Dakota scholar Elizabeth Cook Lynn defines U.S. treatment of indigenous nations as a quintessential form of imperialism. A national policy of territorial acquisition through the establishment of economic and political domination of other nations. She notes that wars today are driven by the same colonial aggression and imperialistic nation building as the wars of old. If there is one policy behind the scenes that links the Iraqi experience of the 20th century to the Lakota Dakota Sioux experience of the 19th, she writes, it is the policy of imperialist dominance. Trampling on the sovereignty of other nations for the most of its several centuries of nationhood has been the legacy of the American Republic's power. The original imperial violence enacted by the United States through indigenous genocide and colonization in North America continues to this day, all in the name of natural resources, territorial positioning, and profit. Look at Standing Rock in 2016 when indigenous people defending their treaty lands against the construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline were brutalized by the National Guard, which was sent in to detain and assault water protectors and land defenders. Look at Hawaii and Mauna Kea, where Kanaka... Oh, nope. Oh, God, I'm going to fuck this up. Okay, this has okay. been the whitest... Mauna Kea. Mauna Kea. No, okay, uh, well, we got to restart. Please, Let's jump back. Please. Hawaii. Okay. okay. Uh, Hawaii. Yes, thank you. Okay. Manokea. Okay. And then Kanakameole. Okay. Hawaii's indigenous people continually face violence from the U.S. military, along with being arrested by police for protecting their sacred sites. Look at Venezuela, where it is under sanctions. Where we're pol- Oh, whoa, hold on. How did I? My lines got lost. <laughs> yeah, which, which is, ref- which under, is under sanctions for refusing to cave to U.S. bullying for oil. Look at Palestine, surrounded by... They caved. Huh? I'm just... They caved. Sorry. Yeah. They caved. They caved, yeah. Because that can't... We, like... We need to acknowledge that. Yeah. This, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge yeah. the failings of the theory as we read it. They caved. Yeah. Look at Palestine, surrounded by two of the largest U.S. military aid recipients, Israel and Egypt. Look at Okinawa where in early 2019, tens of thousands of Japanese citizens called for the closure of U.S. military bases. Look at Guam, look at Vietnam, look at Bolivia, look at the Philippines, look at Afghanistan, look at Iraq. The Indian Wars never ended. The United States simply fabricated new Indians, new terrorists, insurgents, and enemies to justify endless wars and endless expansion. Memorize that like you do fucking Lenin's bullshit. Or, I mean, I don't want to call it bullshit, but I hear a lot more Lenin than I hear fucking, you know, any Pan-Africanist, you know, which they they all took Lenin's ideas. Like, 
Yeah. It just makes me very frustrated how little yeah. we listen to other voices besides yeah. the big heads. Says so a show that has the big heads on there. Yeah, but even then, your big heads include like Gramsci and stuff, which is lesser, you know. But I, I consider him up there, yeah. you know, in like the grand scheme of things. Fanon made the cut. I feel like that's that cuts us F- some slack. Fanon is another big head, but that's like Fanon. You're pushing it. Like when you guys read Fanon, it was because of a discussion we had had and stuff, and like, uh, you know, like it was just in like the turn of the discourse talking about decolonialism. Yeah. So it's like. We were right there on the cutting edge of the Discord. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, fucking, it, you know, it's wild to see how things have progressed. You, I would have thought things would have been different. I would have thought people would have taken it upon themselves to read more along those lines and develop that kind of line of thought and synthesize a new sort of project. But instead, we're back on 2016 bullshit. Will the circle back on 2016 be broken? We're about to protest Key Xstone again. You know, like... <laughs> Bring it all you know, back! Bernie Sanders is going to run again. It's, oh, God. No, you be not me. again. Yay. Not again. I'm just going to go to bed. Wake me up when September ends. <laughs> In order for humanity to live free from this violence, we must center the decolonialization, decolonization, holy cow, of indigenous nations and dismantle all laws, bombs, guns, sanctions, banks, corporations, social customs, and agreements across the globe that perpetuate U.S. imperialism. Only then can we truly achieve liberation and justice for indigenous nations in Turtle Island and for all opposed nations across the world living under the boot of U.S. domination. Nations. Hmm? Oppressed nations. You said opposed. Yeah. Yeah, that does change the meaning. That's one of those, like, yeah, it's one of those, like, we don't know really correct, but it changes the meaning. No, that changes the meaning quite a bit. Yes, oppressed nations. But, like, when you want to know what is land back... It is the dissolution, dismantlement of all agreements across the globe that perpetuate U.S. imperialism. Okay, that's a nice little textbook definition for you. If you'd like, if you want that, there you go. All right, that's what land back is. I think that I think that's good. Um, I'm here for it. This means that advocates for indigenous decolonization in the global north must have strong analysis and an uncompromising stance on U.S. imperialism. Our struggles for sovereignty and self-determination are the oldest anti-imperialist struggles against the United States. We owe it to our kin in the global South to remember that our struggles for liberation is the same struggle they face. We must. Oh. That was a nice save. Right, sorry. No, no, you like that? You like you like you yeah, like the yeah, stumble yeah. and then the, the that was a good save. Doo, 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 doo. Uh, yeah, chariots of fire was playing yeah, in the background the- when I got across that finish line. I felt it. <laughs> I guess I will uh, I will take from Nathan there too because he's a he's a rumbling and a bumbling. Nathan's um, had a long one, gang. <laughs> All right, well I'm going to send you to the ghost of Chris Bourbon. I'm going to take over. Uh, Who is we Chris must Bourbon? Do- football, football a, a man, football guy, bumbling and stumbling and rumbling and a- he's also the annoying home run derby guy. That goes back, 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 back. I bet I think I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> We must unite against our common enemy. We have to learn from one another. 
our indigenous relatives and comrades who gathered in the spring of 2010 in Cochabamba, Bolivia, to draft the revolutionary climate document, the People's Agreement, remind us that U.S. imperialism does not happen only through laws and warfare. Imperialism wreaks havoc on the world through capitalism. It keeps resources in the hands of a few while the rest of humanity starves and the earth dies. Drawing upon eco-feminist, eco-socialist, and indigenous principles and knowledge as tools to combat climate change, the People's Agreement is a pact from the global south and social movements that centers the needs of the majority of the planet, calling for an end to imperialism rather than maintaining the hyper-consumption of countries like the United States. Because of the burden of U.S.-driven climate change has been externalized to the global south and indigenous people specifically, the People's Agreement makes the case for enforcing climate debt and names the special responsibility that the United States, among all other developed countries, has for paying this debt and other reparations for its imperialist violence. Ending the occupation everywhere thus means centering an effective and principled approach to climate change, thereby releasing the burden from indigenous nations and placing the responsibility where it belongs. To this end, we urge people in the United States to organize campaigns that enforce the following demands for developed countries listed in the People's Agreement. Restore to developing countries the atmospheric space that is occupied by greenhouse gas emissions. This implies the decolonization of the atmosphere through the reduction of absorption of their emissions. Assume the cost of technology transfer needs of developing countries arising from the loss of development opportunities due to living in restricted atmospheric space. Assume responsibility for the hundreds of millions of people that will be forced to migrate due to climate change caused by these countries and eliminate restrictive immigration policies, offering migrants a decent life with human rights guarantees in their countries. Commit to a new annual funding of at least 6% of GDP to tackle climate change in developing countries. This funding should be administered free of conditions and should not interfere with national sovereignty or self-determination of the affected communities and groups. And this is stuff that can happen today. And that's what people really need to understand is the, the discussions we are having here are not about a utopian future. These are discussions about what can happen tomorrow. There is no reason a liberal government that proposes the ideas that it says should not agree to these terms. The only reason it doesn't is due to the contradictions inherent in capitalism that we need to stress via the electoral process for those who believe in it. I'm not going to waste my time. But if you actually believe that voting for Joe Biden fucking matters, why aren't you talking about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody talks who are you about you that's doing this. Yeah, nobody talks about the People's Agreement, you know, like this should be a foundational document upheld and studied in every, you know, um, cadre in America right now, because it's the most milk toast you'll get. You know, if you don't want to read what the Maoists have to say in fucking Peru, especially given that the Peruvian Communist Party, that isn't the shining path, is definitely mm-hmm. wrong, given the lack of support they had. Um mm-hmm. You know, they they clearly needed to come to a synthesis, and I don't know why The Shining Path wouldn't actually help achieve that from inside a party that's already established, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah. That's something to consider, rather than... 
in poor taste throwing the baby out with the bathwater in this one. Um, if you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, in poor taste, like, uh, you know, they have some okay ideas in that you can't vote fucking socialism in. Stop. Yeah. <sighs> Just stop. Yeah. Well, and, and also, you know, it, looking back at these these four points here, too, everyone is specifically a thumb at what the powers that be are doing. So every one of these are something that can happen tomorrow. But not only are they something that's not happening right now, there's something that the exact opposite is happening and it's causing mm. immense harm. You know, this is talking about the cost of climate change being on the global north who produced it, not the indigenous cultures around the world. Meanwhile, we've got like, you know, Bill Gates led groups out there lecturing people on burning wood fires to cook their food in the, the middle of Africa and shit like that, right? While he buys up all the goddamn farmland. Well, that's like I had a pro nuclear advocate today say, yeah. um, you know, how would you do cooking without electricity? And I was like, are you really asking me that? Wood. <laughs> wood. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, well, that produces more carbon emissions. It's like, yeah, but what takes that carbon out of the atmosphere? Trees, <laughs> which you burn. And it, with indigenous knowledge, we have many different ways to gather wood off a tree without killing the tree. So yeah. you'll get trees that are hundreds of years old that are gigantic and bigger than anything Europe ever saw. And you can live quite comfortably. Yeah. I mean, I, I just... <laughs> I don't know. I was astonished somebody asked me that. I was like, I don't think we're talking from the same experiences. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. No. Like, how do you heat your home and cook without electricity? I said, well, sir, I got many <laughs> things to tell you about 1960. <laughs> or, you know, for me, it's, I got many things to tell you about being 10 years old. You mm. know, like, fuck. I literally cooked on a wood stove for a long time because it's free. Yeah. 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 I do. I like this kind of reminds me that the way this speaks is is a lot of the way I hear uh, Vijay Prashad speak. Oh, 100%. I mean, Vijay is a huge inspiration to the Red Nation. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I wish he was more of an inspiration and I, you know, followed him a little stricter. But like uh, Vijay Prashad, you know, is plugged in to the people, Mm -hmm. you know, and has a very good. I mean, there's a reason why he's such an important voice right now. Besides, and he speaks in, to everything so well too. Yeah, you know, it's like who, like, going, what are you going to tell the people? Start like you're doing too much carbon emissions while while they're starving. Like they're trying to eat. Like what do you what do you want them to do? You know, right? That's what I'm saying. Like we should be able to take care of ourselves without the reliance on the current infrastructure. It should be our mm-hmm. goal as communists. Yes. I'm mm-hmm. all for nuclear after a revolution but as it currently stands it is not an option really you know i mean we need they need to be doing it but they already are i i know for a fact because the masons unions they've been fucking repairing them for the last five years they've been upgrading and repairing reactors you know and so like that's either a gearing up for more investment or it's gearing up for freaking new or advanced reactors to replace them. One of the two. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'd, why would you invest in something you think is going to, you're going to replace with uh, renewables? You know, yeah. we know renewables aren't actually an option. We know that yeah. they are going to switch to nuclear. That is going to happen. 
and it will be the Navajo Nation. It will be, you know, uh, uh, you know, people in Canada. It will be indigenous people uh, all across the U.S., including my tribe, that continue to have uh, worse conditions put onto us. We are already with the current extraction we have. We are already poisoned. We need to fix that first, you know, uh, and you need to go to a different mine. That's for sure. <laughs> Sorry, it's closed for shop. You know, um, like you know, like get convince the white people to let you mine uranium next to them. Once that happens, yes, okay, but not anymore. Sorry, that's just not happening. It's not. It cannot. It will not. I refuse. You will yeah. literally get gorillas, terrorists, fucking blowing shit up if you try to do that shit as a communist nation. Do not fucking do that shit because you think we're backwards and don't know what the fuck's best for our people. You know, fuck you. Learn. Okay? You are not immune from colonial thought. You're not. You know, we all have it to battle. We all have been colonized or are colonizers. So... It's, it's something we have to address. And if you don't address it where it comes in in your analysis, you're going to think you're always right and be wrong a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, back into the book, uh, organizing to implement these demands can also be viewed as a form of divestment and reinvestment. As the People's Agreement notes, an annual funding pool to repay climate debt that is comprised of 5% of the U.S.'s GDP is viable considering that a similar amount is spent on national defense and that five times more has been put forth to rescue failing banks and speculators. What if we created a system where the funds spent on imperialism in the form of defense and bank bailouts were redirected to heal the earth by decolonizing the atmosphere and building a dignified future for our relatives in the global south? This is not simply a question to ponder. It is a life or death program we must take seriously. Well, that's the thing. Do not engage in idle utopianism with me. This Mm -hmm. is my life you are talking about. All right. Mm -hmm. If you are not engaging with me on those terms, you are not at all a part of the masses of the world who are oppressed. You are part of the oppressors and you do not realize it. And you need to realize your position because most people in America are part of the global 1%. Being a citizen in America makes you one of the richest people in the fucking world. Okay. You know who's not rich in this country, though? People on Pine Ridge whose income is less than $2,000 a year. Okay, so don't blanket analysis this country. You need to acknowledge things as they exist. Yep. Yep. Uh, The United States is holding the rest of the world hostage, denying dignity to billions of people and literally killing the earth. Not to mention that U.S. imperialism makes it impossible for other nations to practice basic self-determination or make any meaningful gains when it comes to climate change without constant interference and aggression from the United States, which usurps and thwarts any effort it perceives to be against its own selfish interests. Only until we embrace anti-imperialism as a heart of our movement for indigenous liberation will be able to call ourselves true relatives, good relatives, to our kin in the global south. We should start by organizing campaigns and movements to implement the people's agreement. And so do the indigenous relatives who might be listening, because a lot of times I yell at the white people. Okay. We too have a problem not addressing imperialism. Okay. 
I think colonialism is the primary condition contradiction within our local circumstance, but globally it is imperialism. Okay. Once the United States comrades have overcome colonialism, the world can attack imperialism much more effectively. That is my argument. Okay. It is not that we will save the world single-handedly from U S imperialism. It's that we here today can make huge changes. There is no reason any government that actually says they're liberals should seek to uphold the history of, like, the Indian Wars, right? No. So when you have somebody like Joe Biden in there and you're pushing them to the left instead of going, you should partner up with China, you should ask for a more reasonable concession, which is you should maybe just stop murdering indigenous people here in our country. I mean, it seems like the lowest possible bar attainable. to have to clear. I, I think we can do all at once, but I think you should include that last one that I mentioned because it's not usually included. <laughs> and yet it's the most important one. And it's also one of the older problems in the country. The more One of the more tangible ones, too. This is one thing we talk about with, you know, it's not your place to solve the other country's problems that you don't even understand uh, when you should be fighting your own government that's more tangible. It's a good perspective to put in people's heads. Well, what are the tangible problems you should fight? Right. Maybe the colonization of indigenous people. Maybe fight for land back. Maybe fight for the people's agreement. Well, and then, uh, you know, as Nick said in Our History is the Future, he's... He, you know, quite literally, colonization reaches into the future and steals life, right? By poisoning the earth, by poisoning the water, by killing the animals, by killing us. You know, for what is this violence perpetuated? And the U.S. life expectancy is less than China's now. You know, yeah. India's economy surpassed their former overlords, Britain. Um, and all the while, the American ideal has killed the planet. Now you're never more than 100 miles from a McDonald's. There are more subways than there are McDonald's in this country. Um, Flint, Jackson, and Baltimore can't drink their water. Uh, reservations across the country haven't been able to do that for decades. While reservations, uh, you know, also have to deal with IRA and Dawes Act uh, allotments that ultimately uh, stole the usable land from us. You know, that could help us gain our own independence. You know, now we have houseless relatives when once everyone in our nations had homes. Now the U.S. imprisons more people than any other country. Well, when before our quote unquote judicial systems, which uh, were much more complex and uh, humane, uh, you know, despite the low bar set by the United States in this country, um, you know, those were replaced. The idea of locking someone in a cage, <laughs> abhorrent, you know. Um, the other day I, I, I had an anarchist argue that borders and nations are a status construct. And despite that uh, ultimate meaningless of uh, the word status, uh, but our borders were defined by nature, you know. Like, you can go across the country and very much distinctly tell where you are based on what you see around you, you know, and as long as you know the land instead of, Oh, I only drive through here once a year, if ever, you know, you'll actually have more of a connection to that place and understand that a border, you know, to us was a lot different to how 
colonizer sea borders. And so our first border actually comes about, you know, thanks to colonialism. But I'm talking about something different. You know, I'm talking about um, how you divide territory as indigenous people and post-revolution if you were to try to maintain, like, say, one big red state that's all of North America or something like that. You know, these are things I think about often because people ask me, what about after the revolution? I'm like, I don't fucking run a country. You know? <laughs> Why are you asking me? I'm... You need a constitution drawn up now. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, uh, can we get the constituent assembly together and then maybe we move forward from there? But the uh, idea of it being one person's idea is already liberal garbage. Like you no, know, it's like actually, I'm going to wait for everybody else to get on board with my idea and then come yeah. up with the thing. So yeah, it's it's going to be a collective input. Like it's... like my one opinions are pretty good, but they're not that good. <laughs> right and and we know we know what the skeleton of stuff is we know we know what the input would be but we don't know what material conditions will form that and most of that is you know collective we know housing will be guaranteed we know we're gonna end imperialism we know we're gonna you know look to, to combat you know, climate like, change yeah. those are all things we we know we're going to do but we don't but, know how that's going to play out we don't know what right. mistakes are going to be made we don't you know as materialists speculating on these you know idle aspects it's like you know that doesn't well, really and, matter and power dynamics are going to change pretty radically in the midst of a revolution mm-hmm. you don't know how that's going to structure um so that you can you know make sure you're combating any potential unjust power dynamic too well that's you, like you, a lot of my ideas are about preparing now for a revolution tomorrow where we have a lot more repression going on it is it is really funny to me that people like over fetishize and over over you know center the the Russian Revolution and anarchists always try to reach back to like some old oh European God. anarchist group that they can find an axe to grind to to say like oh you know Marxist Leninists are out to just kill us all see and they don't think of Kronstadt and how like the whole reason for that Kronstadt that that port and the the military occupying it was the whole reason. Lenin got to be in power in the first place. That was that was the major check to the the czar's power, and that was the thing that that held the the um, I suddenly can't think of the Duma government in, oh. in you know in check, and that was allowed them to to come to power later in the October Revolution. They knew it was dangerous, and they knew it was a small minority. They basically had power over the broad people's revolution. They had to crush. It had nothing to do with being anarchists, but no one can think of that. And and the very simple lesson there is. We don't know what power dynamics are going to crop up and how that's going to have to be addressed in the middle of revolution. And you want me to say this is how well, we do know that out? there will be a settler reaction. We know sure. that there will be a yeah. settler led yeah. reaction, much 100%. like the white hats that mm-hmm. are, you know, aimed at imposing some form of imperialism. Whether it's, it's ironically going to be another white army, but it's going to be a different definition for white. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. And on that great joke, we are going to end for the week. Uh, we we made we made solid progress today, team. I'm proud of us. Um, yeah, we finished a whole section. A whole section. We fin- actually, and it was more than a page. It was more than a page. There were multiple pages involved. It was a whole thing. We're, we're look at us. Look at us go. <laughs> Pat's on we the have back lowered the bar enough to clear it. Yeah, Hell yeah. yeah and we will be picking up on area five, abolish imperial borders, which I am looking forward to. Um, yeah, so that's why I was setting up that whole border conversation. Yes, 
and that border. So it's good that we cut yeah, it off. Yeah, so that we, we can immediately cut cut to next week. Uh, yeah. This is why you binge. Yeah. This is why you all binge listen. I know it. Uh, <laughs> I do know a lot of people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The binge. The binge. Binge listeners. You're valid. You're valid. Uh, that being said, on the Mark's Madness side of things, if you wanted to reach out to us, there are a number of ways you can do that. You could hit us with an email. Our email address is marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. You could hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is at marksmadnesspod. DMs are open, and there is a link in our bio to our Discord server. Uh, our Discord server is where Nathan spends the majority of his days uh, whiling away the time and then playing Final Fantasy 14 and then, you know, talking about other things that are productive and and not silly. Uh, but not at all Final Fantasy 14. Totally not Final and Fantasy 14 and related adjacent. It's definitely not. Definitely at all. not. Definitely not. Um, but it's a good place. It's a good community that I'm proud to be a part of. So feel free to join at any time. Uh, if you don't have Twitter and want the link, email me. I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, that being said, should money to plugs. Why are people making the Indian go last? Oh, go I just wanted to fuck with you. Anyway, you win. So, um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but uh, so okay, uh, bands turtle island at gmail dot com is the email you can reach me at. Uh, at bands island on Twitter is my personal Twitter, and then at chunkaluda nineteen seventy three is uh, the new project I'll launching for the new year. Um, so I'm wrapping up bands of turtle island with like content I've already made. And that's going into the new feed. So you might get some cross upload um, if you're a longtime listener. Um, otherwise, you can just wait for that project to launch if you want to listen to more of me. Um, there's a billion places to listen to me. Uh, Zikato, just look that up. Z I T K as in Carrie. A T as in Terry. Oh, <laughs> hey, is it Carrie? I don't know. I don't know the that army shit. Kilo. Do I look like the kind of person that knows the army lingo? I only know it. I only know it because I worked at an airport. Um, but I'm like T as in Tatanka and K as in Gixuya. As long as it's just got to be something that won't get mixed up with another phonetic word. And you know what letter it is. No, but Did I did it on and carry, Nobody knows. T- I did T for Terry and K for Carrie. That's totally not confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so uh, that those are just some places uh, preferred to reach out to me. But I guess technically there's an Instagram and a bunch of other shit. I'm trying to get on top of it. But right now I'm like a one person fucking machine and i'm focused on the winter drive which is the next plug we'll look at that transition um which uh hey we did it (laughs) two episodes ago we finally announced it this last episode i was like hey we're getting close we did it and y'all haven't heard last episode have you fantastic or just now we did but <laughs> I just think it's really funny that we were able to do it so quickly. Um, 
you could, of course, still send money this way to go towards various other things. And we have another fundraiser in the works right now. It's basically about what do we want to name it, the art, getting the presentation ready, blah, 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 and setting the ultimate goal and how much we want to incorporate into one fundraiser, right? Uh, because uh, right now I'm focusing on a Black Indigenous relative named Robbie who uh, has cancer and needs help raising $20,000, um, which... Go to my Twitter for more information on that until we have like the graphics and everything ready for you. And I'll send that over to y'all. Uh, and then I have a friend who's a lone in the Bay area that needs help just surviving. So I'm trying to put out the word for them. Uh, they're black indigenous people. Those, they need our help. They do. Uh, we need to be like your platform and me next step, black indigenous people, you know, I don't know. That's how I see it. Like that's who I'm focused on platforming. So I think other people should be now. And so that's what I'm sort of focusing my uh, online activism towards, which, you know, whatever, but we're also doing in-person activism with these people. So look forward to that. Uh, You can go to the Patreon. uh, If you just, you know, want to give me money for everything cool. I do do a lot of cool things. So, um, me and this Ohlone person are producing documentaries that are supposed to be viewed simultaneously. Uh, so the idea is you'll see what Ohlone resistance and resurgence means, and you'll see what Lakota resistance and insurgence means from the perspective of the winter drive versus the perspective of um, somebody who's, I mean, not as well connected as me, you know, they're, they're, they weren't able to raise $5,000 in a month or two, something like that. I don't know. Two months, something like that. But, um, you know, like, that's not something most people are capable of doing on a whim. <laughs> like, literally, I went, I'm going to set a number and just go for it. And I did it. And I didn't expect to do it. And, wow, I'm real proud. And I'm proud of everybody that helped. And it's just, uh, you know, like, I think we can, I'm going to make this an annual thing. And we can do a lot more and uh, we can do better than just keeping people warm. You know, I think we can do something there actually. And I think people need to start thinking about what does a base and revolution look like and start looking at creating a mountain amongst the people to hide in. Right. That's sort of what I'm going for to quote Cabral We'll paraphrase, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, did I forget anything? Yeah, to paraquote. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anything. Uh, nothing no? nothing Anybody I can think sure? of off the top of my head. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. Um, oh, uh, at Aloni9Gen is the Aloni comment. I, I need to get Robbie's Twitter. I just thought about it. Or Indigenous Nightmare, maybe. I don't know. They might have changed it. But yeah, whatever. That's my plugs. And closing out, David, for a disclaimer or disclaimer of his choosing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've moved on from the trademark disclaimer because of how deep we are in the book. Not saying we will not bring that back at the beginning of the next book or do it if it's useful here. Um, but, you know, simply just 
applying the, the kind of thing. So Chikmatitu brought up, you know, online activism uh, as a term and it, it, you know, it's, it's whatever, but we don't do this for no reason. There's some value to it. Just remember that it is always in service of, you know, the, the real action, just like reading theory, right? Reading theory is important, but it's always in service of, of the praxis. And so go out there, you know, um, fight alongside water protectors. We can see what's going on there. Um, fight imperialism, fight colonialism, fight for land back. Um, but actually go out and do the shit guys. Um, it, <laughs> it doesn't get any, any harder than that. Do the shit. Um, and that doesn't mean the theory is unimportant. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't mean the online activism is unimportant. Otherwise there would be no reason for us to be here. And Holy cow. We, we, you know, deep dive on those, <laughs> but do the shit. Please Practice tell me there's a reason shit. to be here or why have I been here for so yeah. long? <laughs> this this has been it. We locked ourselves in a little closet and forgot the key on how to get out. We're just convincing ourselves it's important. It better be, it better be useful <laughs> in some capacity or I'm going to be real sad. Uh, that being said, once again, this has been Mark's Madness. Thank you for listening. My name is Nathan. My name's David. Body Two has left the building. I we will talk to you all next week. Bye.